Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is Conspiranormal. All right, guys, welcome back to Conspiranormal. And it's your host, Adam. And Serfiel. And uh, we are continuing to wind down 2021, but um, as we're doing that, we're just kind of like going back and talking to some of our some of our favorite guests. And we've got with us uh, Mr. Timothy Renner. Always great to be on Conspiranormal. Always great to have you, Tim. You you have been on probably like ten or fifteen times at this point. Between has it been that much? All the actual, <laughs> all the actual times, like the actual shows just dedicated to you, are the roundtable episodes and the strange realities previews. It's probably been about that. If I had to count. wow, yeah, cool. Um, and then also we've got uh, Tim's good friend, who's also uh, appeared a lot on strange on his podcast, Strange Familiars, Chad Redding. Who's first time on Conspiracy Normal? Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, it's an honor to be here a little bit. <laughs> yeah, thanks for thanks for being with us. Uh, you know, I I I feel like uh, I know you a little bit since I've listened to Strange Familiar so much. And Chad was going to drive me to uh, to uh, Strange Realities this that's year. That's right. That's right. And yeah. we we decided yeah. we, we we couldn't go for various reasons. But uh, you you would have met him, but maybe maybe next time. Yeah, well, maybe next yeah. year. We'll, you know. we'll we'll get there. We'll make it happen eventually. Yeah. We'll get there. So awesome. I, I definitely wanted to come down. I've never been to uh to uh what is it Knoxville? You Nashville. guys are at Nashville, Nashville, Nashville. Sorry, sorry. I've I've never been to Nashville. It would be awesome to to see the city. Been to Tennessee once, but never there. What part of Tennessee did you go to? Oh, geez, I can't remember. It was ages ago. It was ages ago. I was young. So we uh, went down for, um, my family was growing up, was into street rods, old cars. 
Cool. They went down there for a car show. So, yeah, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful state. It's a beautiful state. I mean, Pennsylvania honestly really reminds me a lot of Tennessee. It strangely does. I was just up there. I did yeah. not expect that. Right. Yeah, Pennsylvania's gorgeous. Where were you at? Uh, I was just you in, don't mind me uh, Yeah, just Philadelphia area, and then we went up uh, to uh, Woodstock, New York. But we passed through uh, Quakertown, and I visited uh, Climber and the Rosicrucians uh, pyramids there at that little weird campus they got. Uh, so that was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I love Philly. I haven't been out uh, y'all's way really too much, but uh, it was it was very nice. Yeah, that stretch of road kind of between Philadelphia and that I and Gettysburg that I drove is really nice. Except I got stuck in traffic in York, Tim. But other than that, I was okay. <laughs> well, it was around Albert Twitch York Day. Traffic. The the uh, the people flood in for Albert Twitch Day, you know. That's yeah. That's what it is. That's what it is. Um, but you guys um, have a something that's like really spectacular. That is just, I guess it's 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 out now right tim like because it said on the band camp it said december 25th but it's it is available for people to purchase yeah yeah people should be getting their books i just did that as a safety date because you never know with the printers and with delays now especially in um supply chain delays and stuff i can't it's hard to promise a specific date so i put the date way out but we have books in hand now uh we're expecting a second shipment probably in the first week of december so books are going out and I will release the audio probably next week. So everybody will be able to, you know, get the whole, the whole uh, yeah. mixed media project. Yeah. Excellent. And that's exactly what this is. So kind of explain to him um, about how like you kind of formatted this and how you're actually releasing it and like what people can get with this before we really start talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's called the witch cloud and, we were looking for a project to do for episode 300. This is oh, strange familiar's episode 300. So this is, you know, way back and I'm always thinking ahead and, you know, I had mentioned to Chad and at any time, Chad and I probably have five different sort of research projects going at once. Sometimes maybe more. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's, I had mentioned to him like, Hey, I need, you know, something to do something big for episode 300. I don't know what it's going to be. We were kind of like bopping some ideas around and we were in Gettysburg one night uh, just hiking. We were just hiking, doing a night hike around the battlefield and uh, we're kind of looking for someplace to go. The battlefield closes at 10, I think. And uh, I said, well, there's this place that that I went. I actually went there with you, Adam, the first time. Mm -hmm. I I remember that quite well. Yeah. Yeah. That, that people call suicide bridge. And I said, let's, let's go there. And I kind of told Chad, the you know the basics of what I knew, uh, and and we went there and uh, started having some uh, pretty interesting experiences and, and meeting people there who had experiences and so forth. But probably by the by our third visit there, because we you know we kept going back. Probably by our third visit, we were talking, and and I think Chad probably said, "Is is this episode three hundred? And I thought about. It, I said, "Yeah." Yeah, I think I think it is. And then we kind of talked about the ways we can make it special and so forth. And uh, 
at some point I, I decided, well, th- we should make it, this into a book. This could be my next book. Cause it's, it's kind of like my first book uh, beyond the seventh gate where I, I kind of take a local legend or a local, you know, area that's supposed to be haunted or something right. and just dig in and break it down and like, look at it from every angle we can. So at some point, you know, it just became this multimedia project where I said, well, Hey, let's make a book and let's, let's see if we can, uh, you know, honestly, it's, we're always uh, trying to raise a little extra money for the podcast. So I said, let's make it a multimedia project. And if people want, you know, they can get the book, they can get a, a download of the audiobook. And like I was saying before we recorded, this isn't a straight audiobook. I do read the text, but in places where I talk about, you know, us hearing weird sounds or something, I'll clip in the actual audio of the sounds. And in places where we interview people, I clip in the actual interview. So it's not, not just me reading the text of the interview. And uh, of course I did illustrations because I'm an artist and my, uh, my friend Tara, who we, she's from the band Lycia and we had a a band together called black happy day. And we hadn't recorded anything in in 15 years. And I was kind of sharing her the audio, giving her some previews and stuff and sent her the song I'd been working on. And she suddenly, she sends me me, uh, back this, this, you know, vocal track that she did for it completely surprised me. So, you know, we were able to do the first black happy day song in 15 years or more than that, I think. So I did a, so limited edition I did with a little record of that, but uh, those are, those sold out quickly, like in a day, the, uh, the rest you get the song when you download it, uh, the, the download, when you, when you purchase the, uh, the whole package and you can do the book and the download or just the de- audio download or whatever. There's different kinds of options, but uh, yeah. So it just became this big multimedia project. That's like super fun, a lot of work, but it's the kind of work I love to do. Yeah. And so it's, it's really amazing, Tim. Um, I, of course, like I said, I listened to it last night. I mean, you've got a couple of different packages here um, with it, right? Like I think you can get, yeah, he's talking about the one that just sold out with the. Uh, with yeah, I did the, a, yeah, a like a five inch record with, with the song that Tara and I did, and oh, wow. uh, uh, that was a picture disc, um, a lathe cut record. I don't know if you know what they are, but they're they're cut one at a time. They're not pressed like other records. Mm-hmm. Um, it was that, and that we did fifty copies of that, and that sold out like less than twenty four hours. That was gone. Oh wow. yeah, I I think we were we were counting down. It was what twelve hours or something like that. I think maybe we were a little countdown party online. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. It went really quick. And all this stuff is, of course, covered with your your artwork and design. So yeah, yeah, that that Timothy Renner aesthetic to everything. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the book's fully illustrated. Like I. I really kind of every book I've been doing, I've been kind of learning how to design books a little better each time and learning what I can do with design and books. So this one has like illuminated letters and, you know, illustrations and photos and stuff and even hand drew a little map of the area. I wanted it to like give that Lord of the Rings vibe, you know, you know, so I hand drew a map. Nice. Nice. So, so yeah, I, I, I really kind of wanted to make something special and, and I'm super happy with it. I'm super happy with the, the end result. The first thing I really want to cover is the, the concept of the witch cloud, where you get that title. What does that mean? I found a reference in an old article on folklore uh, from the newspaper. 
and it is a guy named Henry Shoemaker who is a excellent folklorist. Uh, he's not the best linguist. A lot of his like German um, translations will be, will be off, but um, he's an excellent folklorist. And he, he caught, he, he uh, was responsible for kind of documenting a lot of wonderful folklore in Pennsylvania. And uh, it was an article in the Altoona Tribune from March 20th, 1939. And he was describing this area that had all these different phenomena going on in the same area. Um, it's, they were, people were seeing uh, ghosts of elk there and they were having like werewolf sightings and stuff. And uh, he described it and he said that what it was called in Pennsylvania, they called it the witch cloud. And this is the quote from the article from uh, again, March 20th, 1939 from the Altoona Tribune where the witch cloud hovers, anything may happen, even a specter elk, a werewolf, or even a brooklock as the very old Pennsylvania mountain people call a vampire. Hmm. All of which reminds one of George H. Burroughs deathless description of the Estadia of Spain the Estadio are spirits of the dead who ride upon the haze, bearing candles in their hands. So the idea is like when you get these areas where these multiple things are happening, uh, you know, they would say it's, you know, it's, it's a witch cloud. So all this stuff was coming out, you know, you get these uh, different reports of like cryptids there or cryptid like things and ghosts. And uh, even, you know, Chad was the first one to suggest uh, that, it might be whatever's going on there might be vampiric uh, in nature. And he was quite serious about it because he was getting sick pretty regularly when we were at this area. I, well, we were both getting sick the day after for sure. You, know, you a lot more than me though. It definitely affected you. Yeah. Yeah. It still messes with me when I go there. Did you still want to continue going even though it was just fascinating enough that you still wanted to go? Yeah, it's it's got some kind of draw for me, and I don't understand why. Like, um, I was even like, I was attending some personal business in the uh, the courthouse the one day in Gettysburg, and I turned around and there was a picture of the bridge. Like somebody had taken pictures of the bridge or of different landmarks in Gettysburg, and it was there, and. I don't know. For some reason, I just like going there. I don't understand why, but it's got some kind of draw. So I've never been afraid to go back to places where I've experienced phenomenon. So that, that was never like an issue for me. I mean, it would have to be really, really strong and uh, powerful to, for me to not want to go back to a place. If that, mm -hmm. so. And there is a possible that help connection. Helps explain it. <laughs> Yeah, and there's a there's a possible connection that you guys reference if you guys want to share that. Yeah, well, so the yeah. way we we do research is we do we we dig in historically. So we'll like try to figure out everything we can about the area historically, and uh, also look at the, you know the paranormal stories associated with it, and, and do all the digging we can. And at some point, I was digging up these old newspaper articles, just looking for anything in that region. And I kept finding reference to this Reddings Bridge, they were calling it, Reddings Bridge. And uh, I said to Chad, I'm like, Chad, is this, is this the, the Iron Bridge, this you know, so-called suicide bridge? It's now called uh, John Eisenhower Bridge, formally. 
it it wasn't named that though until the 60s i think after after eisenhower retired and he moved to president eisenhower he retired and yeah. moved to gettysburg uh then the bridge was renamed i think after his son john eisenhower that's right yeah uh but before then you know i don't i don't know what people called it or we didn't know what people called it and uh, we kept finding reference to this reddings bridge and then one of the articles described the landmarks and everything around it and i said chad is this could this be like the bridge? Was it called Reading Bridge? And, and uh, sure enough, it was. Yeah. So, well, I think we found also that all that land around the bridge on the other side, I mean, the farm that Eisenhower bought was actually owned by Reddings. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and we, yeah. we and, aren't sure if 100% if it's relative to Chad's, but there's not that many Reddings in the area, honestly. No, there isn't. <laughs> there isn't. I mean, we have. I haven't done any genealogy yet. I mean, that's something I'm going to go back and actually do. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, that's Alice's department. She's she hasn't gotten to that yet. I've, I've had her busy researching other things. <laughs> <laughs> should point out. Should point out that like the land, of course, it's it's on the Gettysburg battlefield or just outside it, but um, right next to the Gettysburg battlefield is actually the Eisenhower historic home which mm-hmm. is right as you just mentioned well, actually, where, he, where he lives so that's actually owned by the that's all i think owned by the park service i think yeah yes yes mm-hmm. i i think the bridge if you go across the one correct me if i'm if i'm wrong tim but when you go from red rock road and you go across that one field i think the farm is is back over there yeah in fact correct? that one night that one night we walked up we shouldn't have done that i mean we didn't know but that one night we kind of walked up on eisenhower land there um we were kind of pursuing yeah. something and, and walked up in there we didn't know at that time but yeah that's <laughs> yeah. that's all eisenhower land come to think of it tim when i was in the bus because you got to go you can't like drive to the eisenhower place you got to park at a at a visitor center and then they take a little van to it or a little bus and when I was on the bus, I, I saw the bridge and I was like, oh, that's the bridge that we were that I was with Tim the other night. Yeah. So yeah. Th- I, I think if you oh, look cool. east, if you look east from the from the Iron Bridge, you will look across the Eisenhower farm property and you can yep. see it. And the battlefield is, is beyond that. So you kind of you kind of get the battle. It's battlefield Eisenhower farm, Eisenhower Bridge, basically right there. The before we kind of get to the more personal things, I want to talk a little bit like the Gettysburg area in and of itself and just kind of like the weirdness of it, because a lot of people think about Gettysburg, obviously, in relation to the battle and to the to the the hauntings that have probably occurred because of the battle and the reason why it's such a ghost hunting like Mecca, really. But there's a lot of other weird stuff that has happened at Gettysburg. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, going back to before the Civil War, you know, there's this the um, I have a couple quotes in the book from early newspaper articles that uh, quote early settlers as talking about how the place was filled with like spooks and as they called them back then, you know, ghosts and stuff. And that was, you know, well before the the, uh, battles ever happened there. And there's um, it's kind of some hazy. um history about a native american battle they call it the battle of the crows now Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to prove this and it you know it's based on some uh a bunch of uh, arrowheads and and axe heads 
and spearheads that were found in one area and some some human remains like again before it was ever you know the the uh the civil war battlefield the the residents were finding there so they just assumed there was this big big native american battle there which you know may or may not have been but uh you know it's really hard to to prove that either way but there there is you know this kind of uh rumored history of this big native american battle there that at some point somebody named it the battle of the crows i don't know where they got that name but uh so it starts with that but there's there's bigfoot sightings around there's been you know ufo sightings on the battlefield uh, a lot of stuff and you know as we get into in the book there's um and you know we can get into this now or later the uh as regards ghost stories in gettysburg there's some you know questions as to uh these stories uh, are they based on real events and real people or are they things people made up well let's get into some of that and we oh go ahead chad i'm sorry yeah yeah i want to also say something um that area and i and when i say that area i'm not talking just gays for in itself most people when they think of that area of adams county they only think of the civil war history and um there is actually a lot of history in that whole area that it was contested land even before the civil war because when that area was and i guess it would be the the mid 1700s when that area was was the uh oh gosh sorry i hate i hate i just blanked out when that area was the was the frontier the French and Indian War, a lot of French and Indian War battles happened there also. And even even when, if you go like south of Gettysburg, that was actually contested land between Maryland Colony and the Pennsylvania Colony. And there was actually a lot of fighting that happened between Maryland and Pennsylvania in that area before they made the Mason-Dixon line. So that that's something else that was, you know, that is to be taken into account also. And then something that bothers me also, I shouldn't say bothers me. It's not the right word. Something that a lot of people forget. They'll say, oh, you know, the the Gettysburg battlefield, the Gettysburg battlefield. The thing is, York and Adams County was basically the whole battlefield. And a lot of people forget that. They, you know, yes, the main battles were fought there in Gettysburg, but there was a lot of skirmishes you know, even in, you know, if you look at just Wrightsville and Columbia in itself, uh, Hanover was another area, Southern York, York County and, and uh, areas north of Gettysburg. So really, I look at the whole area from almost the Susquehanna River all the way through to, to Pat, to Michonne Past as, you know, really a lot of stuff happened, if that makes any sense. So yeah, a lot very, of people forget that very inhabited, very uh, contested. Yeah, mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense. And I mean, uh, when we were there, Tim, we were actually at Devil's Den. We talked about some of this, and we talked about how it's almost like talking about like obviously the Battle of Gettysburg, and then like the Battle of the Crows, and uh, that that it's almost like the place almost like drew drew these things into itself and devil devil's den i mean there's kind of a devil name that was yeah that was devil's den is not named because of the battle it's there's like actually some almost kind of like fairy folklore stuff going on with that 
Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of different s- stories about it. And again, the, you know, stories predate the Civil War. One of the stories was that there was a, a giant snake there that they called the devil. Um, and we get these stories of these giant snakes locally. I don't I don't know if they're a, a regional thing or, or a national thing or is more of a Pennsylvania, Maryland thing. But go back in the old newspapers, we often get these stories of these like giant snakes, like anaconda sized you know black snakes people report in these old newspaper reports and stuff so that's one theory how the place got its name but it i do think i believe it was the name was established devil's den before the battle as well and yeah there's again that right there in that uh that area um i think it's to the uh, we're the Indian fields, what they call the Indian fields are, were right around there. And that's where they were finding all, like I said, all those arrowheads and, and ax heads and spearheads from this uh, supposed battle of the crows. So that would have happened, you know, right in that same area too. Yeah. And, and then there's also, you, you mentioned there's the cryptid sightings there, which one that I really just love. It's like, I think probably my favorite uh, Bigfoot sighting ever now. <laughs> The, the Kentucky Fried Chicken one. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. So I didn't even get into like too many of the historical ones. Um, so the sort of Gettysburg basically, you know, is in the foothills of, of the South Mountains, um, and the South Mountains essentially become uh, what is Michaud State Forest now. And it, people always ask me, like, you know, best place in Pennsylvania to to look for Bigfoot and. For me, hands down, Michaud Forest. I think Michaud has more sightings than just about anywhere. Allegheny National Forest might be giving it a run for its money lately, but uh, I still think Michaud edges it out. So, we're, you know, again, it's right there. I mean, Michaud's right, you know, right there uh, outside of Gettysburg. So you, a lot of these historical... Yeah, you can literally, literally see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of these historical sightings come from the, the towns all around Gettysburg, I mean, these little mountain towns. Um, on the edge of Michaud and stuff in my book, Bigfoot in Pennsylvania, you can kind of follow these sightings through these, these mountain towns and stuff. So I didn't even get into all of those. Uh, we just looked at kind of the more modern sightings. So yeah, the one was, uh, it was like, I think it was a nine or 10 foot creature. Somebody was going to work at midnight or something. And they passed the the dumpster at KFC and there's this uh, creature uh, eating presumably chicken out of the dumpster. I, I remember hearing the report on, I don't think it was Sasquatch Chronicles. I think it was another Bigfoot podcast years and years ago. And uh, I think they said that like the guy actually saw the thing with a bucket, a bucket of chicken <laughs> in the dumpster, just, just <laughs> chowing down. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so the real question, the real, the real question is, was it original or extra crispy? I, yeah, exactly. He's he's apparently a fan of the of the uh, the herbs and spices, right? That's yeah, yeah. The, the cracklings wow. just have to be just right. So, there, well, there's actually two bridges, but I also want to kind of explore this idea of bridges, liminal space. This is something that definitely, even before you mentioned it, in when I listened to the, well, I guess episode. When I listened to it, I thought, okay, you know, bridges, liminal space, and this kind of concept. Yeah, it's hard to find a more liminal place than a bridge, right? It literally right. connects one place to another. I was thinking, too, that it's kind of uniquely human, right? Like, you might have some wildlife who might 
like beavers might kick over a log on over a stream or something like that. But, and other animals create their own paths and what could be like roads. And actually like a lot of roads are based on old traces and things like that. But it seems like these are pieces of the landscape that are like kind of the first real, uh, human sign, you know, that couldn't be done by anything else. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. Um, yeah it's uh extremely um i would say important probably for for people to build bridges uh if they need to get you know from one place to another safely or or easily the uh these two bridges i mean i think you could probably cross either one of those two creeks like you know if if you were a pioneer and there was no bridge there it wouldn't have uh caused anyone you know too much trouble it would have been more of an inconvenience than anything else with these two creeks but uh they're definitely um you know talk about liminal things you know they're it's uh it hit me you know pretty pretty early on in this like we're just talking about literally an in-between place you know just the most in-between you can be from from one you know hovering over a creek in this in this case uh both of these bridges and then, uh, you know, the connecting these two areas. So, yeah, there's two bridges. Um, the uh, Sax Covered Bridge, which is the famous one. If you've seen like a documentary on Gettysburg ghosts and stuff, chances are they've, they've covered Sax Covered Bridge. It's, it's very, very popular. As Chad was saying, I think before we were recording, you can't go there any time without finding ghost hunters pretty much uh especially once it gets dark i mean and all night long there are they coming from like way outside of the area too like from all over oh yeah oh yeah 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 (laughs) they're they're from all across the country i i think i've actually encountered people from you know other countries yeah and you know that have come to gettysburg at at its worst we've had to like it's been difficult to, we didn't not really we had to push through people but it's definitely been like if you imagine like a crowded shopping center or something that that kind of crowd on the bridge where you kind of have to weave your way through people and and they're all ghost hunters they all got their their you know ghost boxes yeah. going in their their meters and and all their well, you know one guy was that you met was doing he was actually leading a tour right like an actual like ghost tour yeah oh we yeah. met we met multiple tours yeah, yeah. multiple tours the, the fellow we, we talked to in the book, his name was Clinton. And uh, boy, he was a pleasant surprise, though, um, as far as the ghost people go. He really, uh, <laughs> you, don't, you don't run into that kind of open-mindedness as regards the other too often. Uh, and especially, yeah. not, not, to, not that I'm beating up on ghost people, but they're very focused on ghosts. And they're very focused that uh ghosts are all dead people running around and and they're contacting specific dead people and and i have some questions about that myself but uh this this uh fellow clinton was was way more open-minded about it and and his approach was uh very very um uh i you know i don't want to call it very strange familiars but but i'd say it it very kind of it it would have fit well on strange familiars i don't want to take credit for his approach but well, the typical ghost hunters methods seem so opposed to like what you guys do. And I mean, you record and do your, your field recordings and stuff. You guys use a ghost box, but uh, it just seems so much more different. You guys seem so much more uh, quiet and kind of like relying on your own senses than like all this high tech stuff. Oh yeah. And, and Chad can attest to this as well. Um, 
when we were on, so we didn't spend a ton of time on the covered bridge just because there's so many people there. And we found, especially on the other bridge, on the iron bridge, the so-called suicide bridge, if people are there, things won't happen. Mm-hmm. If there's a if there's a crowd of people there, you're not going to get any activity. You get very very mild activity. Uh, it's when we would wait there, and we'd have to wait out sometimes, you know, hours for these ghost hunters to you know different groups to come and go, and we'd finally get it to ourselves. And then when things would settle down, and we were you know there was just a few people there, that's when we would get activity. So I think. You know, we didn't spend a ton of time on the cover bridge because we could never get any time alone there. It was just there was just always people there. Yeah. And we we just felt like, well, it's probably nothing's gonna happen. Now that that isn't a hard and fast rule. I've I've talked to several people, including that that guy Clinton, that that ghost tour guy who said he's had stuff happen when there's been ton of you know, tons of people around. But it's just our experience when we were there, and I'm sure Chad would agree, is if there's a people there, we almost walk away like uh it's, you know, it's not gonna happen for us tonight. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, usually what we would wait a little bit and then it would take what I'd say, what a half hour for things to kind of settle in. If that mm-hmm. is the best way to describe it. And I, I mean, I've had, I, I personally have had an experience. I, did you, I think you even covered this in the, um, in the episode at Saks bridge myself. Yeah. yeah. But, that was early, early in the morning and there was nobody else there. It, had, it was one of them rare times when there wasn't nobody there. But, uh, you know, I, I agree with Tim. You know, it seems to be that whatever the phenomenon is, whatever is going on there, I don't even know if phenomenon is even the right word because we have no idea what it is really in the end. Um, whatever's going on at both those bridges uh, seems to be more reactive the less people you have there. Yeah. I, I wonder too, like the night that we went, Tim, that first night that we went, that you went, uh, whether we just had one too many people there or something. Yeah. I don't know because we've, we've certainly had three, four people there. And, yeah. and even when, uh, Chad and Sarai and I were there, a good example of this is in the bonus audio from, uh, October 9th. I think it was, I, I there's a whole like, bonus sort of podcast on site thing we did with Soraya after Albatwitch Day this year we went over. Well you took Soraya there. That's why. I mean weird stuff always <laughs> happens to Soraya. But there there was people there. Then finally we got the bridge to ourselves for about, you know, a half an hour, 40 minutes and and stuff started happening. Even, you know, Soraya, I was like, look, look, see that light over there. You know, and he's like, oh yeah, I, I see that. And we were we were hearing stuff and <laughs> And stuff, and then people came, and it's just it was done. It was done. So you know, it, and Chad's right. It was about twenty or thirty minutes of of us being on the bridge and just sitting calmly and and just letting things happen, where things would start to build, and and yep. then uh, things would start to happen. But then then people came, and you know, people ruin everything. <laughs> right. Right. It, it, it was it was actually palatable. Like you can actually feel when it's going to start happening. At least. That's my always been my uh, impression. Like you can feel when it starts to starts to ratchet up, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah, you get that kind of energy in the air, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Tim, what's the history of the bridge and the suicide bridge, and some of the, like I guess the rumors that I guess the urban legends that kind of surround it. Yeah, the the first time I ever heard of it, I was actually at a paranormal 
convention in um, Scranton. And I was just kind of hanging out. I'd only had one book out at the time, so I didn't have a, you know, the, the, the crowd of people that, that I get at my tables now. Nobody knew who I was. So I was just hanging out and kind of listening to what was going on, you know, talking to people when they come up to my table. But mostly I'm just kind of absorbing what's going on around me. And there was this ghost hunting group there. And I heard uh, them talking about Gettysburg. So I'm kind of listening, you know, eavesdropping a little bit. And I hear them. I heard them say, uh, oh, by far the scariest place in Gettysburg is Suicide Bridge. And I get this image in my head of uh, a bridge. And I, I knew it was an iron bridge because they were talking about, you know, they said, well, when we were there, something was hitting the bridge and it, and it you know, banging on the bridge or something like this. And, and I, so I knew it was an iron bridge from, from their conversation. But the image I had in my mind is, a, you know, a very tall bridge over a gorge that, that people were jumping off of, you know, to commit suicide. <laughs> so uh, when we went, Adam, you know, you were with me the first time I went there. I was right. deeply disappointed. I'm looking at that. I think I even just said, oh, it's broken ankle bridge. No one's killing themselves if they jump <laughs> off this bridge. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty low to the creek. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I was kind of, eh, you know, and I knew there were, you know, these stories of, of suicides associated with it, but I thought they meant that people had jumped off the bridge. I was like, what, what a ridiculous notion. I mean, maybe if you literally landed on your head on a rock, you might, might do it. But uh, short of that, I don't think you'd do anything more than injure yourself if you jumped off of it. But, uh, you know, later I kind of started digging in and we started talking to people on the bridge that we met and, and there's various stories. Uh, one of them is a, a woman uh, killed herself on the bridge. Um, and usually people are hanging themselves from the bridge. So these aren't people that jumping off the bridge commit. So they're, they're hanging themselves from the, the ironwork on the bridge. Another story we heard was that there was a, a guy, uh, I forget, they, they only gave his first name, but uh, he had you know lost his wife and kids, I think, you know, through a divorce or something and was, you know, distraught and, and came and, and killed himself on the bridge and so forth. And, I kept asking these people for names and dates because this should all be stuff I could find. Mm -hmm. If, if this happened, I should be able to find it. There, there should right. be record of this. And I couldn't find any record. I mean, I'm going back to, you know, the bridge was built in, I think 1886. I'm going back, you know, to the 1880s and the newspapers, just looking for any story of anybody, you know, having uh, killed themselves on the bridge. Couldn't find a thing. Now, what we did find is there's another story uh, associated with Sachs covered bridge with the wooden bridge that supposedly some uh, General Longstreet, as, as they were uh, retreating from Gettysburg, they they had some uh, deserters, some Confederate deserters, three of them, and that he hanged them from from the wooden bridge and uh, left them there as a sort of as a warning to other you know, would be deserters. Uh, so I, I started, you know, kind of working with this idea of conflation, which does happen in, in folklore and these, you know, stories and stuff like, okay, these bridges are really close to each other. Somebody, you know, probably was at one bridge and said, oh, I think there's stories of people being hanged here and they had, they had the wrong bridge. And then it became the story of, you know, of the hanged people and suicide bridge. That's what I'm guessing happened because I cannot find any record of anyone actually, you know, having killed themselves on you know so-called suicide bridge now the 
the interesting thing is, as far as the soldiers hanged on Saks Covered Bridge, there's no real record of that either. That is one of these stories that you know someone started telling about Gettysburg that became sort of known and and quote unquote true because enough people told it, but there's no real uh, historical record of you know Longstreet hanging anybody from that bridge. And Chad and I were discussing it, and we we kind of thought you know if if you're in this great big battle in Gettysburg and and uh, you have you know, deserters that you want to make an example of you there's, there's a lot going on in the battle of Gettysburg. If you're not familiar with it, it's um, a very intense battle over the course of uh, three days, I believe. Was it three, Chen? Yeah, it's the, I think so. Yeah. It's the largest battle of the Western hemisphere. Yeah. It, it's yeah. And very intense. I mean, it's, it's just, yeah. Yeah. It was super intense. People are moving around, you know, troop movements going left and right. And it's, you know, things are popping off here and there. Who's got time to hang three three people? If you wanted to deal with deserters, you just pop them in the head, bang, 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 and be done with them. You don't have time to make exactly. a big display of of hanging, you know, these these guys. So it seems to be an interesting story, and not much more than that. Again, you know, if it's true, we can't find any historical documentation of these soldiers being hanged. However, and this comes. This is where we get to the very interesting aspects of of ghosts and these ghost hunters. There have been several people who reported seeing apparitions of hanged Confederate soldiers on Saks Covered Bridge. Uh Oh, very, very interesting. Uh, Not just for the fact that, to our knowledge, these soldiers were never hanged there, but also Saks Covered Bridge has been rebuilt. It's not even in the same location that it was during the Mm -hmm. Battle of Gettysburg. Right, right. So you have these very, very interesting, you know, which calls me to sit a question like, what exactly are we talking about when we're talking about ghosts? Because if people are seeing the spirits of dead people that never actually lived, then we need a new definition of what ghosts are, which I'm absolutely fine with. I think we need a new definition for ghosts anyway. That seems like the the Tulpa effect is going on there because you got all these people just coming there all the time and we just talked about how many people go there all throughout the whole year it's got to be thousands of people oh yeah and like there's a lot of energy being being put into trying to find ghosts mm-hmm. yeah and they're being told these stories you know and and they bring this energy to it and i think the yep. same thing happened with suicide bridge i don't know if suicide bridge was always a you know quote unquote negative place but if that many people visit it and they bring these the ideas of these stories and this you know this this idea and they're approaching the area with that uh, i mean that certainly adds to the atmosphere you know right yeah it abs- it absolutely does so let's get into some of you guys personal experiences there um and and obviously we don't want to give the whole shebang away since we want people to to seek this to seek this out and listen to it. But what are some of the things that you guys experienced? Um, and Chad, if you you know want to lead the way on that, that's since you you apparently were the brunt of took the brunt of this whole thing. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh geez, where to start? <sighs> oh man. Well, one thing that I've found, I've I've been there, 
with Tim and without Tim at different times during the day, you know, at night, at dusk, even, you know, broad daylight. I've always found that there's this one spot and there's always this hint of a mist on this one side. I mean, even if it's just barely, I can take a picture from the bridge via from the red rock, not facing the red rock road side, but facing the other side. And even during the daylight, you'll see a hint of a mist in this one spot on what was the old road. Um, that's one thing I've, I've, I've had happen. Um, I think it was it the first night, Tim, I got, I got really violently ill. I can't yeah. remember. We were there uh, so many times. I mean, the, it, the, the second time we went, we, you were literally, I think, you know, taken down to your knees. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first night was the first time you even, you th- even suggested like something there is, is, you know, in your words, I think you said yeah. draining us, you know, and yeah. the first time that we brought up this idea of, uh, something, you know, vampiric almost in, in a sense being that it was, it's, it, it was, it's cold. Like, and I, when I say cold, I'm not saying like physical cold. It, it's almost like you're being drained and it's not like the classic, you know, ghost thing when you go into a room and it's like, Oh, the temperatures drop. It didn't feel like that at all. It felt like literally the warmth was being drawn out of my body. Mm-hmm. in this in in certain spots i mean it was almost like it would almost like take the breath away from me at times i don't i'm trying to think it it's, it would almost be like being dropped You're, do you any of you guys ever jump into cold really super ice cold water yeah okay you know when you get that moment where you just like you're in there for a while and you just feel like the warmth is being pulled out out of you from the inside. Yeah. That's what I felt from the inside out. Yes. That's, that's, that's the best way I could describe it. So I had that happen. And um, that was really, you know, that was even on August night. It was hot. It was warm out and you just, just could feel it. And it was debilitating it was the best way to say it. I mean, the one time me and Tim, actually, I went down, I had to sit down and then Tim went down on his knees and he's like, we need to get up. We need to get moving. Uh, that was very uh, eye-opening, to say the least. So I'll let I'll let I'll let you go then now, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm, try, you know, I'm trying not to give it all away. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know there were numerous uh, poltergeist-like things that would happen while we were there, and we we got several of those oh, these tapes, you know, the bangs from the bridge and, and knocks and and so forth from from the bridge and from the surrounding area. Sometimes these uh, would sound like they issued from the bridge and we've had, you know, skeptical people kind of be like, well, that's the bridge cooling at night. It's cooling, but these happen way into the night. They happen all times a year when the bridge hasn't in the winter, when the bridge hasn't had time to, to heat up and in the summer long after the bridge has you know, been cooling down and uh, they happen at very interesting times as well. They'll, they'll happen uh, in concurrence with, you know, asking questions, sometimes you'll get these knocks or uh, just at very, you know, specific uh, opportune moments. And uh, I'm 
I'm thoroughly, sometimes they come from the woods. Sometimes they come from the steel. Sometimes they feel like they're right underneath your feet on the bridge. Um, I'm absolutely convinced that, that whatever is going on there with the knocking is not the bridge cooling. There's something else going on there. It's, it's very, very, very uh, poltergeist like kind of effects that happen uh, with some regularity. And in fact, that's the first thing I, I had heard. Uh, like I said, those ghost hunters talking about this, you know, something was banging on the bridge and probably the thing when we would meet people there and talk to them and ask them about their experience, that's probably the thing we'd hear most um, people talking about, you know, bangs or knocks coming from the bridge. Secondary to that would be things walking on the bank below the bridge or hitting the ground below the bridge or uh, walking in the brush, you know, beside them near the bridge. We, we've gotten a lot of that as well from people. So walking in the Creek also. Yeah. Walking in the Creek. Yeah. We've, and we've heard all of that. We've absolutely heard all that. It's uh it's quite enticing, really. I mean, it makes yeah. it keep coming back. And and then when it doesn't happen, you almost get to, you know, because some nights we go there and, and not much happens and you, you almost get disappointed because there'd be these other nights where just things are popping and knocking and just, you know, weird sounds and weird lights going off all over the place. And it's uh, it was quite active. I mean, certainly, you know, when it was at its most active, it's it's probably been in the most active place we've ever been, I'd, I'd say. You've been yeah. to a lot of yeah. active so, places, so that's saying something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say this. The one knock that happened below our feet, mm-hmm. that was really, really disconcerting. That actually was like the end of one of the nights. And yeah. I literally felt it hit below me and Tim's feet, and you can feel the vibration through the bridge. And there was nobody underneath the bridge. There was nothing underneath there banging. And we were like, okay, we're out. That was the one moment we were like, we're done. Yeah, we had gotten all this activity earlier in the night, and and we decided to just leave a recorder there and and go. So uh, we left a recorder. We hid one in the brush, you know, alongside the bridge, just to, you know, see what sounds we could capture when we weren't there. So we left and for about 20 minutes, half an hour, and and came back. And we were done at that point. We were just going to gather a recorder and go. And Chad goes over and, you know, climbs into the brush and picks the recorder up. And as we're making our way back across the bridge, that bang came. And like Chad said, we could feel it in our feet. It was so forceful and so aggressive that uh, it, it, it sped us up <laughs> and put us on our way. For, <laughs> so it's, we were hurried. It's overwhelmingly not welcoming. Would you say, or do you feel like, because you're drawn to it at the same time, Chad, right? So it's like, is this like a getaway yeah, or, or come come hang out with us thing? Here's the thing. That night that we left the recorder, we were hearing all, that was, Tim, would you say that was the most active night that I night? I think so. I think so, yeah. Yeah. We were on the one side of the bridge. We were parked on the Red Rock Road side. And when you park there, you can basically park all but on the bridge. And we were having a ton of stuff going on over on the other side. I don't want to say the bad side because it's not really the best way to put it, but the more active side. And that was a night, you know, we really were feeling this, the draining. And as soon as we went back over to the bridge where the vehicle was sitting, it would start up. It was almost like, like it was wanting us to come over. 
you know, like we, we left the recorder and we sat in the car for a little bit and I'm like, you start hearing all these noises. So it's like, it, like it uses that to, I shouldn't even say it, <laughs> Yeah. but it's like, whatever is, whatever's going on there. It's like, it uses that to, to want to draw you over to that side. So that's was my impression that night for what it's worth. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing with all of this. It's, you know, we, we go out in the woods, you know, 12 miles from nowhere and, you know, have all this spooky stuff happen. And it's scary. It's, it's really scary, but it's also super addictive, you know, and, and, and the yeah, bridge is the exactly. same way. The bridge is the same way. It's, it's, it's scary, but it's super addictive. I mean, you know, and when it's happening, it's just like, wow, this is incredible. And the feeling is it's, I mean, to me, there's no feeling like it. I I can only imagine that it's, it's like being addicted to a drug because uh, mm. I can't, I can't not do this stuff now. I'm, I'm just so, and I think, I think Chad would agree. It's just something we, we sort of crave to do. <laughs> and it's not, yeah. that it's, it's not that it's not scary. It is. It, it kicks, it can be very scary. Would you know, you... sometimes more than others, but uh, it's that, that feeling is boy, it's, it's addictive. It's really enticing. Would you call it transcendent? I hadn't thought that deeply about it. Um, this is like the person asking at strange realities. If, if I thought uh, <laughs> uh, strange familiars was, was a uh, initiation ritual and I had no, you know, I hadn't even thought about that and possibly, you know, that uh, whatever we're doing is, is, in some way like that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I think I don't want to give it that much weight because that changes things a little bit for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, uh, but you know, it it could be, (laughs) it could be. Yeah. That was a, that was a good question. Yeah, that was excellent question. It's not like we go out into Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success any of these areas expecting anything like honestly until that first night, I never even heard of the bridge. 
I never heard of any of the activity. I had no expectations when I went there the first night. So and that's kind of opposite for you, ha- Tim. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I was kind of like sort of downplaying it because, like I said, my first visit with Adam was kind of like, eh, although I did get that one weird picture when we were there, Adam, that I, yeah. I, I published in the book. There's a definitely a some kind of light on that bridge. Um, it's not an orb. If you blow it up, it looks like a little flame and it's, it's in front of the ironwork. I took it there that, that first night when we were there, but uh, you know, I, I was almost kind of downplaying it to Chad, like, ah, oh, there's a bunch of legends about this place. I mean, we can go there. It's a place to go, yeah. you know, let's, let's see what happens, you know? And, and then uh, I guess we were uh, pleasantly surprised. It's always cool to experience a place first and then, then like really dive into the research after like you really feel like you got some kind of clue into something deeper yeah yeah and and yeah like like i said in in the in the book when adam and i went there i was i you know it's kind of on the tales of writing beyond the seventh gate where i you know debunked a bunch of these uh local legends about toad road and kind of told the real story about the place not that there's not paranormal stuff there but there was a lot of silliness you know that about gates to hell and stuff that, that I debunked. And, and I kind of consider myself immune to these sort of, uh, you know, urban legend kind of things. And I was kind of flippant about it when we went there because of that, I think. And uh, I've changed my tune. I think, uh, I, I think those, <laughs> those urban legends uh, somehow play into whatever's, whatever's going on at these places. Yeah. The, the, the light is, was very strange that you, the, that you took the picture of, and that's, that's one of the aspects of, I want to talk about a little bit of some of the aspects of some of the things that you guys experienced. So the lights is one, uh, have you seen, you've seen lights at that location since then, or just that one time? Oh no, tons. Yeah. Yeah. Tons. yeah. Uh, and not just at the bridge itself, also in the area around the bridge, like out in the fields, you know, that are around the bridge and the small little woodland that's, that's there. So it's not just there at the bridge. And also you guys heard gunshots in the woods at one point too. Like, I think you actually got this recorded. Yeah. We've recorded, you know, I mean, (laughs) it's Gettysburg, right? But at two in the morning, you know, which sounds like uh, the one sounds like, cannon fire i mean it's really low yeah it was loud and really loud uh, you know could somebody nearby be firing something offshore why not but you know two in the morning near the battlefield it, and there are all these reports people you know talking about you know this like ghostly gunfire they hear all around the battlefield it's not just there but you know from from all over the place so yeah i i call it you know more than one thing that sounds like like gunfire you know, on the tapes as we were on the bridge, um, what that was, I don't know what one thing I didn't catch on tape. Cause it happened right when we got there and we just got out of the truck as we heard uh, baby crying. And this is on a cold November night, mm. uh, right when we got out and we hear the, this baby crying and we looked at each other and Chad's like, somebody has a baby here. And, and I was like, yeah, I guess maybe, but you know, we quickly looked around and it was, we couldn't see anybody with a baby there. Now, could there have been somebody somewhere with a baby that we didn't see? Sure, that's possible. 
but it was a cold November night. It's, <laughs> it's an odd place to have a baby. Well, there you go. Like along with suicides, that's usually the legends with the uh, surrounding bridges. Right. Right. And well, and, and women throwing babies off. Yeah. John Teal talks about, you know, car door slams and baby crying being the most, the two most common, you know, anomalous sounds heard at these places. The baby crying stuff really freaks me out. That's freaky, man. That's just because <laughs> it's just yeah. not only the fact that it's like a baby, but just yeah. the fact that the, knowing everything I know now, it's like that could be something pretending to be a baby to lure you into the woods and sure. take you somewhere. You know, like that's that's just creepy. But the car door sounds—you've heard that on way more than one occasion now. I've heard that on on uh, a few different occasions. I've we've recorded it. On one, when we were three miles into the woods along the Susquehanna River, we were in a Bigfoot uh, investigation. It was uh, it was before the the first strange realities. It was right before then because I hurt my knee because we, we were coming out that's of that right. place. And we, that's right. Oh uh, yeah. And I fell, but it was on that investigation. But we recorded, and it's clear as day. You can hear a car door slam, uh, and there was no there was no cars anywhere near us. Like I said, we were, we were three miles into the woods there at that point. And in this little creek valley up against the Susquehanna River, we checked for boats just to you know make sure there were no boats on the river right beside us. There was nothing there, so yeah, I've I've heard it a couple times and and I've recorded it once. And I I don't know if that's the only time the the anomalous car door slam sounds been recorded, but you know I I did I recorded it. So does that's, it have that uh that that old car door sound? You know, because it'd be a little they're a little different than now. It's, well, that, it's a very kind of hollow thunk, you know, it sounds, okay. I mean, it just sounds like yeah. a car door slam to me, you know, I had somebody tell me that it was um, the sound that Sasquatch make when they pop through from another dimension. <laughs> it's popping. Wow. It's like As a, popping, a matter of fact. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a popping <laughs> gas bubble or something. And they recognize the sound from the recording. That I yeah. and I mean more power to them, you know. Maybe they're right, but uh, that seemed very specific to me. It's like, oh, you got that from that that recording. Wow, and that's that's amazing. <laughs> I think we've heard it on Toad Road, also, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When we hiked Toad Road, we were in the middle. We heard it heard it in there too. But this is where a car wouldn't be, right? Yeah. None of these places are. No. Yeah. yeah. Right. Now, if I heard that sound on on Eisenhower Bridge, I would absolutely just think, oh, it's a car. I mean, there's right. there's a car um, now, and we did hear like a beeping sound that sounded like a like a you know your car your your door alarm or something when you when you leave your car door open, but there was no cars there, and Chad's Chad's car was you know locked and shut, so you know I don't know what that yeah. was. And then also, you guys saw a lot of owls, which isn't unusual. Heard but, them more than saw them. Yeah. I think the only yeah. Chad only saw the one that one night when we were in the woods. I think there, but but we heard. Yeah, them. we were we were in the woods by Shan- by uh, Sax Bridge. Yeah, and, is where we were that time. But yeah, we heard and honestly, it was strange familiar to listeners that so we do you know a lot of these on site episodes and stuff where we record when we go out and it was strange familiar to listeners who started saying. You know, every time, not every time, but like often before you guys say, you know, I saw something or, or you know, I heard something, there will be an owl on your recordings that, that goes off. And, and I had never, I mean, you know, owls are natural sounds in the background. Of course, I'm aware of, you know, the whole Mike Clellan, you know, owl, owls and the supernatural thing. But, you know, when you're out in the woods and you hear an owl, it's, 
up until that point, we were kind of like, oh, Al. But then people started pointing out like, hey, this stuff is like happening after the Al sound off when you're recordings. And then the I think it was the first night. The first night we were there, we met a couple. The second night we came back, the same couple was there and it did randomly. And we interviewed them both times. And it was the second night we were at the bridge. We were interviewing this couple, um, Bethany and Shannon. And they mentioned, they said, hey, when the owls start going off here, that's when stuff gets gets crazy. And I, it was interesting because if someone, you know, the, the whatever, whoever Strange Familiar's listener mentioned that to me, had just mentioned that to me. So it was kind of in my mind. And then, and then they told us that, and then we started making note of it. And it seems to kind of, it kind of seems to be true. I mean, it's a little weird and a little hokey, (laughs) but it, it really did follow. Like you start hearing the owl and then stuff started happening. And I think um, that ghost, the guy led the ghost tours Clinton. I think he agreed with that. Didn't he, Chad? Didn't he say that was the case for him too? Yeah. Yeah. He, he actually mentioned it and we didn't even say anything to him about it. Okay. Yeah. You know, he, he he mentioned you know so whenever there was an owl hoot, you know something's going to happen. I mean it was to the point, Adam. We were walking back to the car. We're like, oh, this night's done, and we were walking back to the truck. And next thing you know, we hear owl hoot, and we both 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 looked at each other and turned around and went back to the bridge, <laughs> and uh, had stuff happen. You know it it it. I don't. I'm not saying it's like that all the time, but it it definitely makes our ears prick up when that happens. But but yeah. Clint definitely, Clinton had definitely mentioned that independently of of us. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's <laughs> creepy shit. Always interesting when you put owls into this stuff. Yeah, but like for anyone who wants, uh, I, I just can't wait till people get to actually hear this stuff because it's it's more than a podcast. It's like we were talking about before you came on, Tim, it's like a, a audio documentary and, mm-hmm. and a sound collage and like these, uh, these strange sounds that you get, you know, you highlight them and point them out and repeat them. And like, it's, it's really an experience. Yeah. I'm, I'm super psyched for it. And, and, you know, I don't know. Do we have a little couple extra minutes to talk about the ghost box stuff? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We haven't even touched to on that. It. Yeah. Cause yeah. that, that became like, so the, when I approached this stuff, you know, um, a lot of uh, paranormal books are just, you know, basically lists of things of weird things that happen in places, which, which is fine. And, and, and they do serve a purpose. But uh, I always feel like there's a story running through this stuff. And if you can find the story, you can, you can kind of, it, it makes it more interesting, at least to me. And when we started using the ghost box, the, one of the stories anyway, at this place really kind of became clear to us. Um, so we were doing what we call modified Estes method. I don't know where that comes from other than Hellier. That's where I learned it. I give full credit to the folks at Hellier. Wouldn't have known about the Estes method without them. Uh, seems like a good way to use the ghost box, though. So uh, Chad seems, like like we said, kind of more in tuned with this place. We thought he'd be the, the quote-unquote medium. He would listen to the ghost box. So he's listening with headphones. He didn't uh, wear a blindfold because basically just like, I'm not being blindfolded on this bridge. No way. <laughs> but uh, I did stand behind him, so he could not see me. Uh, and I would ask questions. He could not hear me because he had the, the headphones on. I could not hear the ghost box. So it creates the separation. So, uh, you know, 
essentially he's not being influenced by my questions. I'm not being influenced by the ghost box's responses. Chad's just saying out loud what he's getting from the ghost box. And we were getting, uh, sometimes we do this and we get kind of nonsense and it's not, it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, there's nothing to it. And before we go any further, I've heard all the, the, you know, people's uh, skepticism regarding ghost box for everything from it's all, you know, essentially audio pareidolia. You're making more of it than what it is to it's uh, you're influencing the outcomes yourself. I'm fine with all that. Um, If it's, if it's nothing, then uh, I still think it's cool to find these patterns. And, Mm -hmm. and some of these questions seem to be very, very, uh, some of these answers rather seem to be very pointed and uh, to to the questions so um if it's you know just random nonsense it's it, to me that's it's interesting in the way that you know rolling a dice uh a die is is interesting too you know if you want to talk about outcomes and so forth and chaos theory and all that yeah. craziness and uh, if it's us influencing it if it's it's not some other thing if it's if it's you know this was me and chad this is us influencing to me that's very valuable information as well and very cool and uh you know, part of the story, but um, in any case, the we, we started doing it, and we were getting, like I said, very. They seemed to be replying to the questions I was I was asking uh, in vague ways. And my my thought on this is, so Ghost Box is, is basically a radio receiver that that runs through. It'll keep cycling through the dial, and it'll stop, and you'll hear snippets of voices. So Chad will be listening. He'll just say whatever snippets he's hearing. So my thought is, is like if there is something other that's using the ghost box to communicate, it is limited to whatever speech is in that is coming across the airwaves. So it can't say whatever it wants, but it can it can hint at things and it can give you you know ideas of of things. So when you get these sort of uh, things that seem to answer your questions, um, to me, it's very, very interesting because, like I said, we've been at places where we've used it and it's, it's just been nonsense. It's been, you know, it's kind of been like, okay, this is not whatever's going on here is not really answering any questions. Uh, an example is we went to a Hans Graf Cemetery in, in Lancaster County. It's a little bit north of uh, Columbia there where we have Albatwitch Day, it's supposed to be a haunted cemetery. And we did it there and just none of the answers made any sense. It, it, it was like random, complete randomness. Well, that wasn't the case on the bridge. It's like all the answers seem, you know, pretty pointed. But uh, at some point, we were we were doing this, and the the response I got was, "You're the one," you know. So this is I'm asking questions, and then you know, so this comes back in Chad's voice. Is that you're the one rings around me, and I was given this impression. I, I literally just saw myself drawing a magic circle on this bridge, burning offerings and trying to like manifest or summon whatever was there to the point where like, I, I don't do that stuff. Like that's, you know, maybe my, my old days when I was deep into, you know, the magic stuff, but, but that's uh, not really stuff I mess around with like that anymore. And, but I had even I contacted Ren. I remember I was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing uh, on this bridge, this ritual and, and kind of getting getting his advice and some other people's advice on, on how to approach this. Because um, I really thought I'd, I'd seen a glimpse of something 
you know, I had to do maybe something that, that I was supposed to do. And uh, even talk to Chad. I'm like, I was like, yeah, I, I think, I think we got to do this and I'm not comfortable with it, but I think, I think we're going to have to, you know, draw this magic circle on the bridge and try to try to manifest whatever this is. Uh, but enough time went by where I started thinking more about it. And the, the one thing that started bugging me is like, when I had that, that, that flash, it's like, I don't know. I'll call it a vision. It was just very, very clear image of me doing this ritual. Like Chad wasn't there. And that started to bug me because Chad was there with me every time. Like every time we went, I went to the bridge anyway. Chad went a couple of times without me. But every time I went, Chad was there always. And I was like, well, where was Chad in this? Like, where was Chad in this? And at some point, I, at some point, I just, just like, nah, I think I feel like I'm being led to do this. I don't I don't think I want to do this. And I kind of I, I, I let go of the idea of doing it. And, you know, I. I felt I was almost being like cowardly. Like I wasn't manifesting this like future I was supposed to manifest, but the more I let go of the idea, the more relaxed I see, I felt about it. And I thought, okay, I, I don't think I want to do that. I don't think I, I should be doing that after all. And uh, gave up on the idea and kind of put it away. And then when we were interviewing that, that uh, ghost guy, Clinton on the bridge there, he mentioned that, he said, one of my friends came up here one night and they, they found a big pentagram drawn on the bridge. And it hit me like, I wonder if I was like somehow catching impressions of, of whatever, whatever, you know, that person, whoever drew that pentagram, maybe they were doing, you know, the ritual that, that, uh, that I thought I was supposed to do. I don't know. It, it just, it really brought it full circle for me. And it became like sort of part of the story for me, like this this idea that uh, that I was being sort of led to this ritual, or else given a glimpse of of a ritual that someone else had had done there. That's wild. I mean, not only you know hearing that, but then you know really seeing that, and that and that was kind of like you really felt like it was an impression that was kind of like pushed on you, or there was there was nothing that was really like priming you for that. It just appeared in your mind it literally when he said you're the one rings around me i literally got this image i mean like full ritual robes drawing a circle on the bridge you know lighting candles and burning offerings it came right to me and i was like we have to do this we have to do that i mean chad can tell you i talked to him for you know a couple weeks about it like yeah i think we're gonna have to do it i wasn't happy about it (laughs) like i said i wasn't super comfortable about it I, i thought like we really have to do this and then you know i let go like i said when i let go of that idea that I had to do it, I became way more at peace with, with the bridge, with everything regarding it. And then uh, when that guy Clinton told that story, I, I just thought, you know, it kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, Soraya's uh, idea of the, you know, his, his uh, holistic theory of the paranormal where he has, you know, we're getting kind of echoes of the future sometimes. And I, I half wonder if I wasn't picking up on, you know, whatever that guy was talking about, whatever, you know, ritual that, that his friend stumbled on there. Because we never saw any circles uh, drawn on the bridge when we were there. I don't think Chad. Mm-hmm. No. But uh, yeah, that was that was. It was uh, definitely uh, became a big part of the story for me anyway because it was very moving and very, uh, uh, very scary. If, you know the the idea that it's like because I wasn't comfortable. I was like, I'm not comfortable doing this, Chad, but I think we have to do it. And, and Chad you know, to Chad's credit, he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, how did you feel when you were doing it? Oh, when I was doing the, et- 
the SP's yeah. method. Mm-hmm. Really, it leaves me drained whenever I do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not just at the bridge because I've done it at other places. Um, but really there, it, it definitely left me drained when I was doing it. When I'm, when I'm, we have a rule, like if Tim taps me on the shoulder, you know, cause I can't see him cause my back is to him. And when he taps me on the shoulder, it's, we're done. And it's like, we're, it's time for us to leave or we're done. But when I was doing it, I'm just like listening intently, you know, to the, uh, ghost box as it's cycling. And I have, I don't know when he's asking questions. I don't know what he's asking. I just say what I hear. Sometimes I actually even yell it. And I just remember when I said that, I was like, wow, I was just like listening to that. And when it happened, when I said those words rings around me, it was kind of like, you know, what was that? You know, where did that come from? Because it was really really odd you know who says that on a you know on the radio you know on on and where where did that come from you know that that was the, what i was thinking at the moment i was like well that that was kind of an odd one and as we were going through and he was talking about doing the ceremony part of me was like yeah we really need you know i was pushing him at first to do it and i'm like yeah we need to do this we you know we need to find out why that was why that was said why why you had that impression you know to continue the story because it, it was almost like a narrative was being played out and but then i saw how upset he was about it because like he was really concerned there, there was a point in time where he was really concerned about it and i'm like you know what maybe and he said i don't know and i'm like well maybe we don't we shouldn't do it you know the more i thought about it, i'm like i don't think really it's a good idea and you know, why do we have to do it? You know, why let this thing, whatever it is, determine what's going to happen? Right. You know, it, yeah, that was, that was how I felt. But like I said, when I, when I do the, do the spirit box, usually I'm, I'm listening to what's going on, but afterwards I'm usually really drained, especially that night. I mean, I think I, did I get sick the next morning then? Was that one of the nights, the mornings I was sick? It could have been, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I had a massive, massive, massive migraine. I mean, I literally was physically sick the next day after that. And a lot of times, yeah, Chad'll, and Chad'll be done, and he'll be like, "What did I say?" And I was like, <laughs> "Like, yeah, like, I don't remember it all the time." Yeah, and I was like, and I'll try to explain, and I was like, "You'll just, I'll have to give you the recording because, like, I can't even explain yeah. everything that that went down." Cause yeah, sometimes he's just like, uh, did, and I'm like, yeah, like I think that particular session ended with like, get out, run. And I tapped him on the shoulder. He's like, yeah, what? And I'm like, yeah. it said, get out, run. dude. Like, like, not that we always obey that, but uh, you know, sometimes it, it certainly hits a nerve. I'm curious what, um, if you can share what recommendations or methods Ren recommended <laughs> i forget I, I mean he gave me a whole, a whole list of things to do and and you know i i'm sure if rem's listening to this he's 
he's like, well, I, I would have gone out there the next night and done that. Yeah, and I'm yeah, sure, yeah. I'm sure he would have, <laughs> and I'm absolutely sure he would have. And it's probably what you were picking up on is when we take Ren out there. That's probably what you were picking up on. <laughs> but the, my point <laughs> was this, in the future, you know, and it's and it's completely okay for him to do that. You know what I mean? My the thing that hit me was like, wait, wait a minute, this isn't something I do, and it's not something I want to do. Right. But I felt so compelled to do it, so compelled to do it, that I was I was really disturbed by it. And I yeah, I think it was Chad who finally sort of like gave me permission, you know, sort of not to do it. He's like, well, don't do it just because you think you should, you know what I mean? Because this thing, you know, you feel like this thing told you to do it. And, uh, you know, that, like I said, I started thinking about, I was like, yeah, I, I don't do that. Like, that's not something I, I do. And it's not something I really want to do. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying people shouldn't do that. If, if you feel, you know, if that's your path, you know, do it. And, and you know, if, if Ren wants to visit and do that there, that's, you know, he's, he's welcome to, I'll, I'll, I'll show him the place and, and uh, stand guard while he does it. But uh, yeah, just for me personally, it was like, nah, I just don't think yeah, this is for me. I can totally relate with something similar. And, and yeah, like ultimately it's your, it's your will and your path uh, for you living your life right now and maybe whatever's like trying to get you to, you know, do something just doesn't mm-hmm. have any other options. And if you're, if you show up, you know, you can be the conduit, but that doesn't have to be your choice. Right. Right. And, and again, it, it may not have been, the, you know, something other at all. It may have been me at that moment, picking up on whatever other ritual, like I said, that guy Clinton, said his friend came upon, you know, when he found the, the big uh, pentagram drawn on the bridge, as he called it, that, you know, could have, could have easily been a magic circle for the same purpose. Maybe I was just picking up on that, you know, and it wasn't meant for me at all. Maybe it's just something, something someone else did that I was kind of picking up on at that moment. I wanted to ask a little bit too about um, this buried treasure connection. Mm-hmm. This was something interesting that just kind of pops in there. Yeah, I buried treasure theory is is something uh, I, I brought to Josh. I think before we even wrote where the footprints then, I was like, you know, you ever thought about the, you know, buried treasure in association with all this? And and at first, I think he's kind of like, what? And I was like, no, 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 think about it. Hmm. Like, and not just the idea of like a a treasure, you know, pirates' gold, you know, buried in the ground, but the idea of something valuable being in the ground. And how many of these stories from all over uh, have these instances of, of, you know, there'll be a ghost story, but they're also, you know, a story of a, a lost silver mine nearby. Toad Road has mm-hmm. a supposed lost silver mine, uh, you know, or uh, these stories of Bigfoot, you know, plenty of stories of Bigfoot with people saying that, oh, they, they live in the mines. They live in these old mines and they come out at night. You know, so see, you know, not necessarily like gold buried in the ground, but the idea of something valuable being in the ground and people digging after it or or something valuable coming out of the ground. And we really started looking at that whenever we find these, you know, so-called hot spots or window areas or whatever you're talking about. We started looking for, uh, you know, things that would qualify for buried treasure. And, you know, there's uh, I can't get specific about it, but the place we go to called site seven uh, has a, a significant component of that. Um, like I said, toad road has the rumors of a, a um, 
uh, supposed uh, silver mine that was there, lost silver mine. I don't, I don't think it's true, but the rumors are there. Um, Michaud, they were doing, you know, iron mining throughout Michaud. There's different mines and so forth. They were digging into the ground there. So it's this idea of, of there being something valuable in the ground and people digging into the ground. And we're almost 100% where we find stuff as regards to these places where people have been digging in the ground. I mean, look at Skimwalker Ranch, one of the big no-nos. Don't ever dig in the, into the ground. Hmm. It was when, when uh, I guess, the the uh, first family that bought it, that, that I guess, the were they the Shermans or was that just the name they gave them in the book? I forget now. In any case, they were told when they bought it, like, or, or no, when they sold it to uh, to the Nids people, they told them like, oh, don't dig in the ground. Whatever you do, don't dig in the ground. So these kind of warnings about digging the ground and how many old ghost stories and fairy stories have you know ideas about things being in the ground or ghosts guarding buried treasures and so forth. But it's really played out uh, completely. I mean, almost a hundred percent where we start looking for uh, you know where where pe- where people have been digging the ground nearby. Uh, these places and we found there was a a quarry uh not far it's called willoughby run quarry willoughby run is the creek that uh so-called suicide bridge spans and a little bit uh further up the creek there was a quarry right along there called willoughby run quarry where they've been digging the ground of course gettysburg has had people digging in the ground you know for ages for you know relic hunting uh they shouldn't they're not supposed to but it happens people uh, dig for, you know, civil war relics and stuff. So, you know, there's definitely this sort of buried treasure theory certainly fits in the area in, in the area of the suicide bridge there. And with all that treasure hunting lore is the, the guardians of the treasure often too. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the bridge is iron. And of course you and Josh have explored a lot of that stuff. Um, Cold iron. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The, the, and that was not lost on me um, that this uh, this bridge forms a border, you know, and, it, and it's made out of iron. And we were even sort of playing with the idea that that uh, something is being held, you know, in this area. It's not really an island uh, between these two bridges, but it, it almost is like the, the, the creeks almost make an island out of it. And we were wondering if something wasn't sort of sort of trapped in that area and, and being, you know, held if, you know, there's all these theories about, you know, vampires can't cross water and oh, witches okay. and fairies and stuff don't like yeah. iron. And here we have an iron bridge. And if all the activity was concentrated on the area of this bridge, cause it's, you know, it's like the one thing that's, that's holding them in, you know, holding these yeah. things. In. Uh, so yes, yeah, th- that's absolutely a component that, that we've wondered about. And it does seem like when you cross over, that bridge it's not that we never had any activity on the other side but by far most of the activity is is on the uh you know the, the opposite side the so we park on where red rock road is it's on the other side of the bridge uh you know with a quote-unquote island like i said it's not an island but um it's like that's where the majority of the activity is concentrated and certainly the the really rough stuff, the stuff that was making Chad sick, the stuff that was really scaring people is concentrated on that side of the bridge. Yeah. A lot of this is like, I feel like us rediscovering the way that people used to think about things with this weird kind of like psychogeography and things like bridges and, and, and and all of this used to be, I think a lot, 
a lot more um, mystical to people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think our ancestors looked at the landscape in a uh, different way than we do today, where they incorporated, you know, folklore into their vision in ways that we don't. And so even like those impressions that they were leaving on these places that we inhabit now, you know, some of this could be us catching the, the after effect of some of that, especially what you do. I mean, like, I think some people kind of experience the stuff when they're coming of age and they like are trying to get away from adults and, and go party or do whatever they're doing, going to these liminal spaces, you know, out in the, like the, the woods or abandoned industrial parks or whatever. But, um, you know, it is, uh, it's, it gets harder to get away with. I know when you're, when you're, when you're older, um, but it's, it's really cool how, you know, so much of your, your research and experience is based on this like exploration and legend tripping and, um, it's born a lot of fruit for you. It really has. And, you know, a lot of people have asked me, like, I want to do this in my area. Where do I start? Start with those local legends because there's usually something behind them. I'd like to get your thoughts before we kind of close out what you guys think about the interconnectedness of all this phenomenon. You know, it, it, it's something that we talked about a lot on this show. And I know Tim's talked a lot about on his show. It's Raya and just how you've got all these different things going on. I mean, you've got these different uh, ghosts, Bigfoot, UFOs, any of this type of stuff. And these even things down to like synchronicities and uh, all this and just how it really seems like we're dealing with the same type of thing. It's like we, we tend to put, like I said, many times on this show, we tend to put things in boxes, but just recently Tim on his most recent episodes, he had on this guy that had several different types of experiences, Everett, and, you know, I, I listened to that and, you know, it's very much the same type of experiences you guys have had with like the witch cloud stuff. I think that it really, the, the, the same theme is there of just how interconnected all this is that we're not dealing with like Bigfoot over here and then UFOs over here. And then, you know, we're, we're talking about, we're talking about really the, the umbrella of the other is really what we're talking about. So how I look at this is when I started this journey with Tim and it is a journey, you know, this has been a journey for me. I knew nothing about most of this stuff. I mean, I had read, you know, I've had my own experiences, you know, and like most people, I put things in boxes. So that was a ghost. That was a dead thing. You know, um, Bigfoot is a monkey in the woods, so on and so forth. And when, when I've had that first experience, and this, this goes all, I mean, I've had experiences growing up, but when I had that first real eye opener at White Rocks, which is the one that really like shook me, and I started, you know, doing some research and stuff, I still didn't have that holistic view. That's how I say it of, you know, this all being interconnected. But as I go on these journeys, as I go to these different places, as we research stuff and we, we go, we uh, experience more stuff randomly. A lot of it's randomly. Cause it's not like, like I said, when we go to these places, we, I, we don't have preconceived ideas most of the time, actually a lot of the times 
I start to, I, I see this, it's like my eyes have been open and I see this interconnectability. You know, it's to the point now, like, oh yeah, you know, somebody tells us, oh yeah, I, uh, you know, I've seen Bigfoot and there's lights in the woods. And yeah, there, there's a haunted area over there. It's, you know, when we start to do research on these places, we start to notice, you see that, you, you know, like you said, the, the digging in the ground, you know, we automatically look for that. Um, we, you know, go back and we look for legends of, of lights in the area or near the area or UFOs in the sky and haunted, you know, places and cryptid activity and you invariably find that and the bridge, the bridge you know, is I, the perfect example of this so exactly i was yeah i was about to say that but he's correct it, it's perfect example yeah it's to, when we i do uh, the research we do i i look for bigfoot sightings and we found the bigfoot sightings in the area um the digging in the ground and but the bridge is a perfect like little microcosm you know, because it's a small area, microcosm area of example of this. And when, so, when we met that couple, Beth, Bethany and Shannon there, you know, they're, they're talking about a woman who killed herself and, and she's a sensitive and she, she had impressions of this woman and so forth. And that's all well and good. The second time we meet them there, they're talking about this entity that they saw on the bridge. They pulled up and they saw something <laughs> yeah. on the other side of the bridge. We said, well, describe what you saw. Now, to them, this, this was a ghost. But what they described to us was a, something that was, he said, it, it was as wide as Chad and I together. So something very broad. He said it was, uh, I think, at least as tall as us, um, with long taller arms. Taller than us. Taller than us. With long arms that hung down, you know, longer than, than human arms. And that was white and kind of lumbered off. And he, at no point, is he thinking like, this is anything but a ghost. And again, there was these, those two ghost hunters. Um, I forget their names, a guy, one from New York and one from uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania we met there. And they're talking about seeing a, a seven foot tall, you know, black thing cross the path in front of, you know, so we're, now we got ghosts of seven foot tall, you know, uh, <laughs> civil war soldiers, you know, the, the average height of people is what men was like five, six back then or something. You know, it, you know, it, not, at no point are these people thinking, you know, cryptid activity or anything, but they're talking about things hitting the ground below the bridge. We're hearing knocks off in the woods beside it. Uh, you know, uh, that guy Clinton described something walking along the bank and he could hear it, you know, bipedal walking. Yeah. We heard we heard bipedal walking it was kind of beside us one night. Uh, we heard it splash into the creek. So you know, as, as somebody who does a lot with Bigfoot, like, oh, yeah, this is all cryptid stuff. Even down to the first people I heard talking about it, something banging on the bridge that they couldn't see. I'm thinking, like, yeah, banging is, I mean, you know, it's also poltergeist stuff, but it's, it's certainly, you know, Sasquatch stuff. I've had, you know, plenty of stories of Sasquatch, you know, banging on things. So we had that, you know, and you have your mystery lights there, and, and the ghost hunters attribute all this stuff to ghosts. Even It's like... What ghost, I mean, where are we getting a, a person that's taller than Chad and I with, you know, arms that hang down to their knees? That's as, that's as wide as Chad and I put together 
Like what Civil War soldier <laughs> right. looks like that, you know? Right. If they had more of them, maybe the what maybe the Confederacy would have won the war or something, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, was, they, was, they, if they had the Nephilim. <laughs> I was sorry, sorry to say that was the Confederate super soldier <laughs> that you know they failed to unleash, you know, and, and still roaming, still roaming around the ground. Yeah, awaiting his Cyprus. orders. Jefferson Davis had his best genetic scientists. <laughs> yeah, he's hiding in the caves up by Big Round Top. That's it. Yeah, he's been there. Oh my. Yeah. So, so you get the, all this stuff that's like, you know. If you're a UFO person, you see the the lights that we saw that, well, most of them were not in the sky. I think, you know, UFO people would say UFOs. If you're a ghost person, you say, oh, those are ghost lights. Those are, those are ghosts carrying lanterns, you know, often those soldiers, Civil War soldiers carrying lanterns through the woods. You're seeing the ghosts of them or whatever. But uh, now all this stuff is is popping off in this one area. And if you look at it like a, like a cryptid guy, it looks like cryptid stuff. If you look at it like a ghost person, it looks like ghost stuff. You look at it as a UFO person, you could... So it's UFO stuff, but uh, I I just feel like it's all connected now. I can't separate it at all anymore. Um, it, how it's yeah. connected, how or why it's connected, I can't tell you, but I really do feel like it's all connected. And the, the bridge is a great example of this. I agree. I agree. I think that's the main theme of your podcast audio documentary. I think that's the main theme of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's trying to like... Especially, and when we were writing Where the Footprints End, you know, we went a great way to try to get people to, you know, step back and look at Bigfoot a different way. And I, even at that time, I remember telling Josh, I got to do this with ghosts someday. And uh, I think he said something like, good luck. <laughs> Have fun doing that. Not that that is what the wish cloud, you know, we, we I certainly didn't get into the expansive uh, sort of uh, breakdown that we did in Where the Footprints End, but I do at least approach those ideas in the witch cloud in, in a very sort of basic way. Like, you know, like I said, if we're seeing ghosts, if people are seeing ghosts of, of things that, that a don't look at all, like humans look there, the morphology is completely different. And B they're seeing ghosts of people that never actually live. They're just, of essentially, you know, just legends that people have made up. If they're seeing these ghosts there, then, then are they really seeing ghosts of dead people, the spirits of dead people? Or are they seeing something else altogether? And uh, hopefully, you know, I'm sure uh, most of the ghost hunting crowd will be just as resistant to that as as the flesh and blood Bigfoot people were to where the footprints end. But but hopefully we we can, uh, you know, open some eyes or at least get people to to look at things in a different way. Gentlemen, this has been excellent. And uh, we're going to continue a discussion about some other things on the Patreon side. But uh, in closing, um, uh, Chad, please tell us about, you know, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors and where people can find that. Yes, you can find uh, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors is now a full-blown Etsy shop where we offer uh, vintage wool and, as Tim says, outdoorsmansy stuff. Um, <laughs> everything from um, not all vintage. We also actually have some handmade items, but we have everything from camp cook stuff to the vintage wool to knives, uh, axes, uh, a lot of stuff that you can use. You, you can find us there. I uh, also have a small YouTube channel that I started, Oh, two years ago, just for fun. And I actually show some of the places that we've been for strange familiars. So it's kind of been kind of like the uh, show and tell end of strange familiars. So we, we have that there. Like, I think I actually show parts of pandemonium, 
the World War II camp in Michaud, just other interesting areas that I go to, you know, just on hiking. And I, I even touch on like a little bit of uh, foraging stuff and, you know, some gear reviews as far as like woods, woodsmanship. That's where you can, you can find that on, um, online. So, and that's pretty much Ruck Rabbit Outdoors. Also Instagram on Instagram also. Okay. I'm not, I'm noticing a lot of flannel on here, Chad. Yeah. I see some vintage. Oh yeah. Flannel. There's a lot of flannel. There's a lot of flannel. I, <laughs> are you the real flannel man? I don't know, <laughs> but I had a friend. How I, how I met Tim is I had a friend who said uh, he was in the bot podcast and he's a, a member of my uh, bushcraft community. And uh, he basically was like, you know, he knew my penchant for wearing the, the uh, wool coats, you know, the Pennsylvania tuxedo, as people call it. I literally will go out with the full on, in the winter with the full on Pennsylvania tuxedo, which is the old Woolrich hunting suit. And he's like, yeah, you need to check out this podcast. They were talking about this guy, this flannel man guy. And, uh, you know, that's totally you. And, uh, I started listening to the podcast and I, and I was like, Oh, this is really cool. And then I figured I'd contact him with my, with my, uh, experience I had on white rocks. And then the rest is history. Here I am. So never planned it that way. Just kind of fell into it. But yeah, I corrupted him. No, I do not. He was a yeah, normal. He corrupted me. N- normal woodsman before. Before. <laughs> yeah, now, now he's the paranormal woodsman. <laughs> yeah, I am now the paranormal woodsman. Is is uh, pretty much what I am now. That sounds like a nice title for something. The the paranormal woodsman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're working on that. Honestly, <laughs> we're working on that. So, but you know, it, it, the whole woodsman thing is basically has become my life. You know, I really enjoy being in the outdoors and I, I love, I, you know, I love using axes. I'm an axe, I'm an axe collector and aficionado. I asked him, he's constantly showing, sending me pictures of axes. Do you, do you want this one? And, um, I enjoy, I enjoy also using, you know, the tools of my trade, which are, you know, knives also all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I enjoy that lifestyle, like being out there and that's, you know, I enjoy camping, especially this time of year. Like, believe it or not, like me and my group, you know, we, it's actually called, you know, it's now, it ain't just me. Ruck Rabbit Outdoors isn't just me. There's actually a, a, some other members and that contribute to the Etsy site and just contribute to what we are now. And uh, we actually camp in the dead of winter. We enjoy it. We like being out in the winter time. So a lot of people think we're crazy for doing that, but uh, less bugs. Um, no heat. It's easier to stay warm than it is than it is to get cool, and a uh, lot less people. Excellent. Thank you for for sharing that. Um, no, not a problem. Um, I'll have to tell you a story on how the Ruck Rabbit name originated. That's quite interesting in itself, but that's for another time. Okay. And uh, Tim, um, tell people where they can find Strange Familiars, but also where they can find uh, the Witch Cloud. Yes, strangefamiliars.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Witch Cloud serves as our episode 300. You can only get it at stonebreath.bandcamp.com. The reason for that is 
If you buy the book there, you get the audio download free. If I've done my math right, I think it's over three hours of audio you get between the the audio book and the bonus audio and the music and stuff. I think it's over three hours. Uh, don't sue me if that's not correct, because <laughs> I may have done my math wrong, but I, it, you get a lot. You get a lot with it. Uh, and you can buy just the audio if you want. If you just want the audio book, you can, you can just do that, or you can get the nice hardcover book, and it comes with the audio download. I think it's um, right now the only package left you get the book a vinyl sticker and a woven patch a really cool owl woven patch i did just for this and then the full download again that's stonebreath.bandcamp.com and uh this book will be uh released as a book by itself uh on you know be available on amazon and everywhere else but that'll be sometime in 2022 right now uh you can only get it directly from us great excellent Thank you so much, gentlemen. This has been awesome. Uh, we're going to go ahead and close out the show, but stay with us. Um, and on our end, um, everything that we have, we have, of course, our Patreon. Serviel can tell you where to find that. You can find that at patreon.com slash conspiranormal, where for only $5 a month, you can join the International Association of Conspiranormalists and get a uh, extra episode every week, uh, like the one we're about to do with this, these gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And uh, for $10 and up, you get invited to our monthly Mystic Crew hangout, where we have some of our favorite guests and researchers do presentations much like you see at strange realities but kind of like a mini version of that we're actually going to be rebranding that to be a continuation of strange realities so that'll get you a ticket into that for free every month and for twenty dollars and up you get to join the ancient circle of strange realities that gets you an exclusive t-shirts and you are privy to all the secrets of the universe of course from the heads of these various conspiranormal orders patreon.com i know slash conspiranormal (laughs) yeah excellent um all right that's it uh we will be um i think next week we will be doing kind of like a little new show kind of roundup kind of thing just with myself and serfiel and also, we're going to be announcing something a special thing that we're going to be doing here pretty soon. Uh, that's kind of like a kind of like a podcast within a podcast. Is kind of what we're thinking. So. All right, guys, that's it. Um, join us next time on Conspiranormal. Please consider becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash conspiranormal or leave a one-time donation at conspiranormal.com. And please check out our YouTube channel, Conspiranormal Podcast.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.